Hello, and welcome to Fighting Over the VCR. My name is Matthew. My name is Nancy. And on this episode, we get mystical and magical and old-timey. Very old-timey. <laughs> very very kind of old-timey. Um, not fantasy old-timey, but some people believe in magic, some people don't. Some people think that it's all just sleight of hand. Well, we're talking real magic and this podcast episode not just the magic that nancy and i have together exactly but the magic <laughs> that happens on stage little little trickery yeah. little confusion little N- not harry potter of hand. we're not talking no. harry potter no no we're, that that's more fantasy yeah although for some people it's reality but you know Whatever makes you happy, right? Yeah. No. Uh, on this episode, um, I'm going to be talking a little later about um, a movie I really like by Christopher Nolan called The Prestige. And Nancy's going to start off by talking about a movie that I fell asleep through called The Illusionist. <laughs> so, The Illusionist came out in 2006 and stars Edward Norton, Paul Giamatti, Jessica Biel, Rufus Sowell, a young Aaron Taylor Johnson as um, the early, like the younger version of Edward Norton's character. And it takes place um, mostly in Vienna and young Eisenheim, who is um, Edward Norton's character is good with magic. He's, you know, he he is the starring illusionist of this movie, and he and Jessica Biel's character, her name is Sophie. Um, they know each other as as young teens, preteens, maybe they meet, and um, Edward Norton's character and his dad um, are more of like a peasant class, and um, like they're. His dad is like a wood carver of some kind. <laughs> like he makes he's tape. a carp- he's a Carp- he's a carpenter. Carpenter. He builds cabinets and yeah. stuff. And she's aristocratic. She's she's of a higher class. So they kind of have to keep their friendship secret. And as they start to get older, you know, as like young teenagers do, they're they get more into each other, and their love is forbidden, and they're separated, and. Um, Aaron Taylor Johnson runs off with his very weird bad hair and goes to a farm and then returns with um, a goatee as Edward Norton. And you, you, would, you, would you say that he probably had a Corona cut? He had and a Corona his, cut. His, his bad his, haircut his was, a, was a Corona. Hair. And you know what it I was lo- more like Corona growth. You know what I love about it is that they were both in Marvel movies, not the same character. You know, Edward Norton played the Hulk before the, the like the whole Avengers Marvel madness started when before, Mark before Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo, took Ruffalo it over. replaced him. Aaron Taylor Johnson played, I believe, it was Quicksilver, right? Yes, he was one of the twins in Age of Ultron. Pietro. Pietro. Oh, okay. And side note, I like him. I, I've always liked him. He was in a really great movie as. Um, John Lennon, which was really good. Anyways, he was also in he was also in Kick Ass and a bunch of movies. Unfortunately, Aaron Taylor Johnson is not in a majority of this movie. He is only in a he's little in about bit of twenty movie. minutes of this movie. But Edward Norton, sadly, Edward Norton is great. Edward Norton comes on as this magician, and Paul Giamatti, also an amazing character, plays um, a lawman. He plays like an inspector. And Rufus Sowell, the villain of the movie, plays a prince, um, Crown Prince Leopold. When Eisenheim comes to town to start his new magic show, he bumps into grown-up Sophie. And she comes up to the stage for one of his tricks. And it's all, you know, a sleight-of-hand trick. You know, he kind of creates this, like, ghost image of her in, like, this red cloak and tries to slice her in half or whatever. And she doesn't recognize him. He recognizes her. And then they go and hang out afterwards. And, <laughs> oh, Matt's, Matt's disappearing <laughs> from the screen as we speak um, to be all Magic. mystical. <laughs> um, I'm, just try- I'm just trying to make what's going on right now. 
more interesting than what happens in this movie. <laughs> got stuff to talk about. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, when when he drops the clue, because when they were separated as teenagers, she had suggested maybe you can make us disappear. So that's the that's the key phrase he says to her as uh, she and. Prince Humperdinck, oh, I mean Prince Leopold, um, are walking away. Um, he's like, oh, maybe I can make you disappear, and everything starts to click. Um, by the way, there's a lot about this movie that reminds me of The Princess Bride, so that's why I referred to little Prince Leopold as Prince Humperdinck, because he so straight up is Prince Humperdinck. Edward Norton's character is very much like Wesley, and Sophie is very much like Buttercup. I'm just going to put it right out there. There isn't really a six-fingered man because Paul Giamatti, while, yes, he's a lawman and he's kind of mostly looking after the prince, you know, he kind of sees the prince's, you know, trying to keep the prince's best interest at heart. He's not evil like the six-fingered man, so... Man, why couldn't we have just rewatched Princess Matt? <laughs> Matt, calm down. So, so this you know, so this movie is a romance. Let's let's just cut cut to the chase. That is, this movie is, is a romance. Just, yes, and let me just tell you because we're gonna have this is gonna be a feisty episode, folks. Because I'm not a big fan of the Prestige, which we're gonna talk <laughs> about later. Um, things that work really well in this movie for me. I love the set design. Everything about Vienna felt really great. Like, it, we really get a sense of what the city looks like. The costuming is great. Everything about it felt really, like, of the time. Um, everyone felt like they were supposed to be in that time. I mean, maybe Jessica Biel looks a little out of place because she's just kind of weird. Um, What's wrong with Jessica Biel? Nothing in particular, but, I mean, you know, I haven't seen her in much. But, but I mean, Rufus Soul for sure. I mean, he looks like he's... Con- I don't know if I've ever seen him in a modern day I think, thing. I think Justin. I think Justin Timberlake might disagree. Well, you know, that's, <laughs> that's his business. Um, JB and JT. But I really, really liked this movie. The pacing of this movie is great. I know you said you fell asleep. You know, oh well. Um, but again, it's a romance. This movie, start to finish, is really more of a romance than anything. And after watching it today, I was like, this movie is basically like Princess Bride. It is so. Similar. I mean, his character disappears for a long time, returns. She doesn't recognize him. He recognizes her. Um, she's a she's like going to be a princess. She's going to have to marry a prince again. There isn't really a six fingered man character, but there's definitely factions that are kind of against him. I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I mean, there's a lot more to say, kind of comparing it to the prestige, in my opinion. But I'll also point out that. When I first watched this movie, so I've only watched this movie now twice. I've only watched The Prestige twice. And when I first watched The Prestige and The Illusionist, they were on the same weekend. So I basically did a redo of probably one weekend in 2007. Jack and I watched these together in 2007 one weekend, and we like basically repeated it. And I really liked The Illusionist back then, wasn't a big fan of The Prestige, and these feelings have completely held up all these years later. <laughs> and again, the illusionist just has, again, it, it's a romance. Like that is like the heart of it. So the big reveal at the end, I mean, it's, it's a romance, but also it has a happy ending. It, you know, it has a happy kind of fairy tale like ending. And in the last like four or five minutes, Paul Giamatti has like, you know, puts all the pieces together and realizes how this one big thing happened. Because basically, and again, folks, you all know by now, this is a spoiler zone start to finish with us because these movies have been around for a long time. Because Sophie is destined to marry Prince Humperdinck, I mean Prince Leopold, Eisenheim and Sophie figure out a way to fake her death and get her out of there. So they can be together and not ever have to worry about Leopold again. And she is... What is the big reveal then? The big reveal is when Paul Giamatti figures out that she's actually alive and puts all the pieces together of how they did it. Because... That... Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, that last, like, few minutes, because it was after once... um, 
once he goes to the house and finds her locket in the horse stable, finds mm-hmm. another jewel, finds an emerald from the sword um, next to the next in the same horse stable and then finds the sword and sees there are two missing jewels from there, which, again, he's recovered both of them. He recovered the ruby from the dress and the rub- and the emerald from the horse stable, and he just starts to put it all together, and he's confronted Leopold, who is adamant that he didn't kill her, and he actually didn't. But he has done a ton of bad things, so if he had to ultimately be held responsible for just being a horrible, horrible person, so and and... He was going to be arrested, but he decided, screw that. I'm going to pull a Shawshank Redemption warden move and just kill myself instead of facing the consequences. Um, And he'd killed other people. Hopefully people have listened to the Shawshank episode. And again, (laughs) who hasn't watched Shawshank? (laughs) Sorry. Um, Again, I'm not worried about it. (laughs) um, So, yeah, Paul Giamatti, like I said, initially you're thinking, is he going to be this big adversary for Edward Norton? And actually, it turns out he's not. He kind of is like the audience member. Like really trying to he he's very interested in the tricks. He's very interested in, you know, how does how is Edward Norton pulling off like, you know, growing an orange tree out of nothing and make turning a handkerchief in a couple, you know, from one little box and having it float around with butterflies and creating all these like ghosts and stuff. And he's he's interested in it. He's not competing over it. He's not dueling over it, which is what we'll talk about later. He isn't really that kind of adversary you'd ho- you'd think he would be. Like, he's not, like, this evil figure. I mean, yeah, he's got a... I think he had to arrest him at one point, but it was kind of more just questioning a suspect kind of thing. It wasn't super serious. And and he was always trying to keep, warn him, like, dude, the prince is whack. You don't want to... You don't want to piss him off because he's just going to go crazy or, you know, so... He was kind of like this... In, he was a really, really interesting role. And just side note... I've been watching a TV show called Billions for like four seasons, and he is the same role in that show. He plays a, oh, really? he plays um, a district attorney, so he's got the same kind of like authority figure in that show. So it was like, oh, look at that! He's doing the same thing. I'd forgotten he did that in this movie. But, anyways, I mean, I enjoyed rewatching this movie quite a bit. Again, it's a romance. It's very much like Princess Bride, and. I I really liked it. So you okay. go ahead. Whatever you may <laughs> want to say cuz again, we're fighting in this episode. Okay. We are we are pushing the limit of our the name of our podcast cuz prestige. Let me, let me, mm. I have a question for you. Go ahead. When you did your initial watch of these two movies some 13 years ago, mm-hmm. which one did you watch first? You know, Jack was telling me today, because I couldn't remember, but Jack said we watched The Illusionist first, and then we watched The Prestige. And that makes a lot of sense. We did the opposite this time. We this watched time. Prestige last night and watched Illusionist okay. today. Okay. Um, so you said, like, there was this, like, there was the big reveal about how she was alive mm-hmm. at the end and how... You see, like, this eye-opening experience that Paul Giamatti's character, um, Inspector Yule, has, mm-hmm. where he is just like, oh, my God. He puts it all together. She's alive. Okay. I'm not questioning your intelligence, but this movie was so predictable. How did you not figure out she was alive when she first died, quote-unquote died? Because... They had this whole conversation. Her and and Eisenheim had this whole conversation about how she was going to leave him because she she rides up to his him on the to his like where he's staying on the horse. They sleep together. They come up with this whole plan, and it's very obvious that they've come up with a plan. And then all of a sudden, she goes to tell him that she's leaving him, and. Then he kills then her. Then she is she is cut on the neck, and then, you know, she, she dies. Oh, my God, we find her in the river. Oh, my God. And I'm sitting there going, this is all fake. He is an illusionist. 
They are trying to get her away from him. This is all planned. How do you not know this the whole rest of the movie? So when it, when the whole like big like eye-opening thing happens at the end and Paul Giamatti's character has like this big smile on his face like, "Oh man, you got me." I'm like if I'm the audience and I'm sitting there like I'm just waiting for him to get it the whole time. And I think that was the part that made it seem kind of dull and boring was, you know, I was, you know, you're kind of interested in, in you and, and I, and you're right. This is more of a love story. This is not, this is, has a, the theme of this movie is very different than the theme of the prestige. So they are different. Yeah. They, the similarity is that they have magic yeah. and they take place around the same time yeah. frame in the world in the late 1800s. But the one thing that is very, the one thing that you get from the, like the first part of this movie is, okay, I'm kind of going with this and you're right. I I did not make the connection to Princess Bride. I kind of wish you didn't because now I might think of the Princess Bride and the Illusionist together and I don't want to because one of those movies is incredible Highly entertaining, very funny, and the other one is the illusionist. And Your opinion. I, I just, I just, I guess I just could not get into it. Now I agree that um, the look of the movie is very good. Um, it has like this. They do this really cool thing to make it look like you're watching like an old film mm-hmm. or like looking at old fi- like the photos where they vignette they vi- and they vignette the the. Um, the camera, mm-hmm. so like the edges are darker yeah. and everything, which has like a cool look. Um, and the soundtrack is amazing. I love Philip Glass. I love this composer a lot. So I was like, "Wait a minute, I is- know this guy." And I'm like, "Yep, Philip Glass." So that hooked me into. So I, there's that, but I was just I. It was like I had seen, like, A, yes, I have seen this before, because as you've pointed out, it's a lot like a lot of other stories. And B, this whole kind of twist of having this scheme and everything, it was more like the whole time I'm like, when are they just going to figure this out? You know, I mean, he is an illusionist. He, this is, his job is to trick people and... And for them to just be like, oh, she's dead, not put two and two together. It made Yule seem kind of kind of just dumb. And mm. that I just did not like. I don't know. Um, Again, I I, we've I, talked about I this mind. before. I don't try to crack the code. You know, I'm I'm well, I, I, know watch, not trying to, I don't watch movies to, to not, try to solve them. I watch them to just enjoy them and But there wasn't anything to solve because it was so obvious. <laughs> it just seemed so obvious. Well, I mean, but, it's not um, like it's not like the prince kept saying, "I know she's not dead. I know she's not dead. We need to figure out what happened. We need to go find her." He didn't give a shit. He just was ro- Oh, he didn't care. And that's the no, thing. No, it's no. like that's why well, that's why they kind of dropped the case, I think, was cuz Prince Humper didn't, didn't give a shit. But he well, that's not true. And and again, also ripping off Princess Bride, the whole reason why he wanted to get with her was because he wanted to. It was all about how he was going to um, because she was from she was Hungarian and he was from Austria. And the whole plot was so he would get with her to so he could overthrow his father to create the Austria-Hungary Empire. So. Because of all that, um, he actually did give a shit whether she was alive yeah, or dead. But, in but that I mean, sense. once because it it, it, oh, it ruined his political plan. But I mean, it's not like I mean he was crazy. You know, he was definitely oh, yeah. crazy, and and you know, he he was he was that typical evil entitled, um, you know. Higher, you know, royal asshole. I mean, dude. He was humperding. Yeah, dude. yeah, yeah. You know, he almost, he, actually, some of the outfits he wore um, ver- yeah. remind me of humperding. You know, the scene with the with the sword was amazing, and the whole time I was like, Captain America can pull it out. Captain America <laughs> could yank this thing out. Like, where's? But you hear, but you hear, like, if you're listening to that scene, you hear 
um, an electric charge, like it's some, like a light switch is being turned off. So you know there's a magnet holding the holding it up while you're watching that scene. Again, so I'm not and- cracking the code. <laughs> I don't care. I mean, it was more just, you know, he was being delayed because, you know, um, Eisenheim was trying to show, he was trying to humiliate him. And then, of course, that caused a lot of problems that he did that. I also enjoyed that once once she was presumed dead and um, Eisenheim changed up his show to just kind of have these ghosts appear. I mean, at one point, I was waiting for Tupac to show up as one of the ghosts. <laughs> it like, de- I wanted it definitely a Tupac had the hologram, hologram feel. <laughs> yeah, I wanted a Tupac hologram to appear. That was the first thing I thought. I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, um, you know, I, I guess, like, a lot of the tricks, and, and this is for both movies, a lot of the tricks that happen in the movies were were based all on tricks that um had you know from that time even the orange tree trick you know that is is a trick that um actually um happened i guess but um so watching some of the some of the magic stuff is is kind of interesting um it's kind of like hard sometimes watching like this like constipated Ed Norton like, yeah, focusing yeah. on to try and make make the magic yeah. happen where he like puts his hand out like like he can't quite use the force. Yeah, Doctor Strange <laughs> had much better like mind control hand motion to like get things to do what he wanted to do. So yeah, I mean, but yeah, no, and, 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 yeah, was- and, and I read and I read that I guess like Ed Norton went and like pra- like he's very much like. I, getting into his characters when he plays yeah. them, so he went and like worked with a magician to like learn mm-hmm. sleight of hand and everything. So it was authentic and stuff. So um, for some of the stuff and which is good, and, but um, but yeah, I just I mean it's a love story. It is a love it's story. Not, I mean we have well I, I established say, that you are not into love <laughs> stories. Not as much, no, and and. Yeah, I had forgotten how so much, much of it. So much of it is had, the princess. Bride. I had forgotten how much of the movie really was all about a love story. Because again, I've only seen it twice now. I mean, I really yeah. liked it when I first saw it. But again, how many times do I rewatch movies? We've already talked about this. Practically so, never. Well, in the last fifteen <laughs> twenty years, not as much. But um, but I but the feelings I had about both of these movies back then are pretty much reinforced this round. Um, yeah, the first time I had watched this movie, it was on TV, and I had seen it after The Prestige, um, and we can go, well, I'll go into that later. I had watched it on TV, and I was just like, oh, yeah, okay, I've seen it. it I can say I've seen it, it's not great, and then i rewatching it now, and, and I watched on my rewatch, I watched it before The Prestige, so I did the opposite of what you did. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, I just... You're not into it. I just was not into it. The, I'm not, and you know, performance-wise, I mean, everything, I mean, the acting in it was okay. I guess. I guess it was just Paul Giamatti and Rufus Sewell and Edward Norton were all great. What are you talking about? They were all really good. And Jessica Biel was yeah. fine. I mean, she didn't do anything wrong. Like I said, I watched. Not- I've seen Paul Giamatti on my on my TV show for four plus years now so i'm really into him kind of occupying a role like that so it was like oh there he is and he's doing that same kind of boss man role so the boss man role yeah i have i have like paul giamatti for me is he's either he's like very hit or miss for me Mm. Like, I either really like him in a character or I can't stand him as a character. Sometimes that's intentional because they don't want you to like him. Um, yeah, he can play but, an asshole. Real, he plays an asshole a lot in my Billions show. He's, he can but, be very unlikable. Yeah. But, um, you know, I didn't think he was bad in this. I thought he was fine. I mean, that that look on his face, though, when he, like, like when the light bulb goes off, I was like, you are, there's a reason why... Th- certain things happen in in Vienna, and you are the inspector because that light bulb should be going off a lot sooner. <laughs> but you know what? I don't think I don't think the smile on his face was simply holy shit. They pulled it off. This is what they did. I think it was also partly thank God they did this and got her away from that ass. 
asshole. Like, I think he understood yeah, I mean, he how did, psychotic yeah. the prince was. And he had a the prince had a reputation that he everyone killed knew a woman. About. And everyone and even I, Paul Giamatti's character, you know, I think he knew like he had already kind of made a deal with the devil with with um, Prince Leopold yeah. and the idea being like when he takes he throws overthrows his father, he'll make Inspector Yule like the like the mayor of the town and everything. Yeah. And he so he had already made a deal with the devil that he did not really want to to have to follow through on but uh yeah i mean this isn't i've your seen taste. worse i've seen worse i've seen worse movies yeah this is not your taste no 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 but, but like i said <laughs> no. one of the best surprises for me this morning was the first few notes of the soundtrack and realizing wait a minute I know this guy. And because um, Philip Glass, he he scored a movie that I love called The Hours um, with Meryl Streep. Nicole, Nicole Kidman actually won a Best Actress Award for that movie. And that I've listened to that soundtrack a million times. Um, so really? I quickly downloaded uh, this score because <clears throat> the piano, the, the strings, all of it. I was like, yep, love it. Philip Glass does a lot of different kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I like um, him. Musically, so. But well, anyways, well, I mean, no. again, this isn't your taste. We we picked these two movies because of the magic and because they're both period pieces. And ironically, I originally watched them the exact same weekend back in the day. So it made a lot of sense for us to pair these up. But let's move on to a very different, different, different kind of movie. The Prestige. Very different. One that's worth watching. Not really. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, my God. So, um, The Prestige um, was uh, directed by Christopher Nolan, very famous for uh, Inception, uh, the Christian Bale Batman trilogy, Memento, and he has a very particular style um, of of movie where um, he doesn't always necessarily keep keep things chronological. He'll jump around a little bit within a movie. Definitely, Memento has that um, yeah. has that vibe, and some of Inception as well. This movie is based on a book by Christopher Priest, and it is about well, on the surface, it is about two dueling magicians who keep trying to kind of one-up each other. And this is more also kind of a revenge movie because the two magicians early in their career are working together with another magician and the magician's assistant is the character played by Hugh Jackman's wife. His name is, um, Robert, Robert Angier and Christian Bale. He plays Alfred Borden, the other magician, and the two of them go up on stage and have to tie knots to um, to bind Hugh Jackman's character's wife, who will then get dropped into a um, glass case full of water and she has to get untie the knots and get out and there's an accident and the knot that Christ, that Alfred ties does not slip and Angier's wife dies and he blames Alfred for the for her dying and that kind of is the real kickstarter yeah. to their fe- to the feud that they have yeah. and they're constantly trying to one up each other so the whole movie is pretty much the two of them kind of back and forth playing mind games with each other and actually having a couple physical altercations where they are spoiling each other's act. Michael Caine plays Cutter, who is the person who works, does all the mechanics for all the tricks 
that they do. Mm-hmm. He's Team Roberts. He's kind, and he's kind of he's more on Angier's side. He works with him the most um, because he, Alfred kind of doesn't need someone because he has um, another his assistant Fallon kind of helps him out, and there's this whole kind of back and forth that always happens with them where they're trying to one up each other and then um Alfred comes up with this amazing trick that Robert can't figure out that then starts leading to attempted murder um and Alfred having to give Robert his secret or else his his assistant's going to be killed he tells him that he gives him a name, which is Tesla, which ends up being part of another part of this movie. So Robert goes all the way to um, the ta- the whole movie takes place in London. And then and Robert Colorado. goes. Well, Robert is American and then goes back to America to go to Colorado to meet with Tesla, who is Nikola Tesla, because. Alfred has told him that the secret to his special trick, which is called the transported man, where he moves from one side of the stage to the other, is the secret is Nikola Tesla. So he goes to Tesla to ask him to build a machine, which then will transport him from one side of the stage to the other. And it turns out that Tesla never did this for Alfred, but he still invents a machine for Angier, which doesn't necessarily work how they have planned it. And Angier does not get transported from one edge of the stage to the other. Instead, he gets cloned from one area to another. And then how do they deal with all of that? going on so there's definitely because of that there is a very fantastical part of this that is not logical or of any real science or 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 reason it's real magic and that leads to a huge blackmail kind of plot where alfred is framed for killing angier but it's actually one of his clones and then he goes to prison. While he's in prison, the real Angier takes on a new identity, then in time takes um, custody of Alfred's daughter, and Alfred is, is then put to death for, for murder. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, this is ridiculous. This doesn't make any sense. This is super complicated. But I'm just trying to explain the movie. This movie is actually amazing. It's really interesting to kind of watch what's going on because there's these time jump. They It's not chronological. So you're like, where did they get to this point? And you want to see how they got from one end of the, one part of the story to the other. And... You see them young, you see them old, you see them different. And when can we please reveal the big secret about Christian Bale? <laughs> Hold on. So, <laughs> and, um, you know, the whole time everyone is telling Angier that Alfred is not. He's he's not using some sort of supernatural kind of magical thing or some sort of science that, you know, he went all the way to Tesla for to 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 create the transported man trick. Everyone is telling him he's using a double. Yeah. And at one point, Angier even um, finds a double. <laughs> yes. To to try and rip off the trick. A drunk which, slobbery dr- double who's a little overweight. Which, which is which is amazing because it is it is clearly Hugh Jackman. Of course it is. He's got like the double. It got, is so good. He's definitely got. He's like, got a fake nose different and different teeth. teeth and oh. the, yeah. Um, but it's so good. So Hugh Jackman's playing two roles in this movie. Yeah. 
Angier is trying to clean up his whole mess. He's like, fine, I've already, I finally won. You know, he's like, I finally won. He's trying to clean up the whole mess. He's getting out of magic and everything. He's, he's got this alter ego so he can live his life with his money and everything. And he gets shot. Yep. And you're like, oh my God, he gets shot. And it's Fallon, Fallon, the assistant who has, who has come to shoot him. But it's not Fallon. Fallon is just Alfred's twin brother identical the twin whole time. Brother. His identical twin brother the whole time. Because they have this conversation very early on in the movie that some of the best magicians have to commit their whole life to living a certain way in order to be successful. And he says this, like, very early on in the movie. Because they're watching another magician who is doing the same thing, which is based on a real-life old magician. You had something to say? So, okay. So you have now revealed the big reveal, which was Christian Bale is playing identical twin brothers. And that is his big secret. And watching it a second time was... It's still painful to watch this movie for me, but it's a lot more fun knowing that's the that's the secret from the beginning of the movie. So so when you watched it the first time, you did not get that it was that it he had was a twin his, brother. It was, he had a twin brother. No. I again, I wasn't cracking the code. I didn't really try to figure it out. Again, to be honest, Matt, like Magic Did it give you a headache? Magic Did it, like, stuff hurt like, your brain? Well, <laughs> okay. First off, I didn't understand the whole goddamn obsession with I need to be the best magician. I mean, in fact, they should have just thrown in a third character to have been played by Tom Cruise to be the best, to compete to be the best magician at this point. Because it just, it was ridiculous that all they were doing was like, oh, I need to out trick this person. I need to, it's just like, I don't give a shit. I don't care. You know what? But, but see, let me finish though. That's not what the movie's about. Yes, it is. No, it's not. The movie is about obsession. Well, that they, was the, the obsession. Movie, the movie is about how they were obsessed with being better than the other one. Okay. And how the obsession took over their lives to the point where it was deadly. Yeah. And now, in this whole movie, Alfred is pretty much just doing his thing. He is, but he, he he is more Team Robert. Just own it. He definitely is. What do you mean? He no he, no 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 not Cutter, Alfred. Oh excuse me, I'm Alfred. I, Michael Caine played Alfred in three movies yes, of Batman, yes, so it gets yes. confusing. No, Alfred is pretty much doing his thing, and the whole time, yes, there's a couple times where he screws with Robert, but. He's he's going to do his his trick and he's going to do everything as he's planned it. Whereas Ro- Angier is so obsessed because he's so angry at him because he's he he's blames Alfred for killing his wife that he go, he is going insane trying to beat him because he can't have him end up being better than him after what he did. At one point in the movie, he gets so angry because Alfred has a wife and a daughter yeah. and he and he says he that's the life I'm supposed to have yeah. not him. So it's not necessarily about I want to be a better magician as it is it's about his obsession with having to be better than him, which is the other reason why it is so cool that they brought in Nikola Tesla because yeah. this is based because that whole thing is the same thing that happened to Tes- between Tesla and Edison mm. in real, you know, in real life, because, you know, the two of them were tr- were fighting in real life to try and see which, you know, which form of electricity was going to win out, you know, alternating current or um, DC. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah. Um, so. That is what this movie is really about, is obsession kind of taking over to the point where it drives you mad and can have very drastic 
um, consequences. Yeah, like you need to chop your fingers off because your twin brother got two of his fingers blown off because evil Hugh Jackman decided to put a button in the gun and fuck with the gun. And, you know, he was Christian Bale's character is doing the bullet catch and his fingers get shot off. So for his twin brother to keep up the act, because, oh, yeah, by the way, the two of them are the only one that knows that they're doing this. So they both fall in love with two separate women. And Mm -hmm. the whole thing with um, Sarah, Rebecca Daniels character, you know, when you say I love you, you only mean it on some days. On on like Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays (laughs) you mean it. And every other Saturday. so, so, So this is why I asked you which movie you watched first. Because you were in Illusionist La La Land with your romance movie, and no, then you watched about this, the, which was very different. No, but it wasn't this even was about a di- the, this, uh, But, Matt, I feel, is, like the, I feel like the obsession stuff was dumb, and I just... You don't think that's real? No, I understand that it's real, but the... <laughs> I feel like there were a lot of problems with this movie. Like, I didn't like the um, various um, voiceover tracks. Like, you'd have Hugh Jackman being the voiceover for a while, then it would switch over to Christian Bale. And and I know know that's Christopher Nolan's little signature. He likes to fuck with time. No, that's not his... He likes no, no, to no, fuck no, with no. time, and he's no, no, no. The, the, to be the, linear. The, the, the voiceovers, though, were them reading each other's journals Either that they had gotten, way. that they had stolen or had yeah. been given by the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It still becomes muddy. And you forgot to mention, the movie starts off with Christian Bale going to going to the show and then seeing Hugh Jackman, whichever version of it, trapped in the water tank and he's trying to free yeah. him and being framed. That's how the whole movie starts. Yeah, so you're trying to see and like how it kind of works. At some point, you're sort of. you're kind of wa- watching it to see to go in the order of like, well, wait, how did we get there? Yeah, you know. I mean, I, I think I think that I don't think the women were very well developed in this movie whatsoever. I think compared to like the Illusionist, I think Sophie's character was way more. But Sophie interesting. was, but Sophie was an actual main character. This movie is about the, the two of them. But like you they said, are, the, other, the whole reason why Hugh Jackman was so upset was because his wife died, and I'm also. But she dies in the, she dies in the first ten minutes of the movie, though. I know, but I'm saying she, she. If you're saying he's the reason, she's the reason why he was set off onto this mania. Then you, then theoretically, she's supposed to be important, but we see her for like a split second. But I'll he also, was, I'll also, he was posit, important to her. I'll also suggest too that any woman or any any performer that's going to voluntarily have their hands and feet bound and be dunked into a water tank has to kind of be embracing the idea shit can go wrong and this could kill me. Like, but she does. If you look, if you watch that, she's scene, fine with dying. She's not fine with dying, but she she he looks at her like, I'm going to tie this other knot. And she kind of gives him this look like I can do it. So they're OK with it. So that, that's why the whole idea of what knot did you tie and his whole obsession with I blame Alfred instead of thinking like, oh, maybe my wife had something to do with it because she did say I could do that. Not not a problem. And they kept saying, don't ever do that. Not it's too dangerous. And she's like, I could do it. That's my point. That's my whole point. She took she was taking on a lot of the risk herself. Like so if she took on a risk that even if it didn't work out like the only, it's not just that Alfred tied a knot that was wrong and he's fully responsible for killing Robert's wife. No. No. She, but doesn't but, that... he, but Robert never wanted to hear that. And, and also, any time... No, because he wanted someone to blame. Any time... He, wanted, he, he doesn't talk, want to believe that his wife would do that. Any time he would talk to Alfred and Alfred... And, and, confront him about what was the knot, what was the knot. Honestly, when he said, I don't know, I think every other time it could have been the other double that... It was. ...that didn't know because he wasn't the one there. And it, also, it was. living that double life, you're not going to know everything. I mean, even though Fallon was kind of always hanging around and would get the download the next day of everything, that all of the pillow talk and stuff like that from the night before, so at least they would know, like, what were we talking... What did you guys talk about over dinner last night so I can make sure to bring it up later? Like, 
they the, the brothers were clearly staying like keeping each other up to date with what was going on. Yeah. But even still, I mean, I don't know. This this I movie think what bugs happens, me so much. There's not a I think, lot that I like. Did, There's not much I like about this I movie. I think it I think it hurt your brain. I, I've just, seen this. I'll just, tell you this. I will tell you this. Do though. you watch it anytime you're flipping through the channels and just start I watching have, it? Yes. I, this movie is great. I saw it in the theater. I was like, oh, Christopher Nolan. He had just, I've, I've, up to, up to that point, I liked every movie he had done. I'm going to see this movie in the theater. I remember walking out of the theater like, man, that, that was a great movie. I was highly, enter- you know, I was entertained the whole time. It has great acting. I mean, Hugh Jackman, Sucks. Christian Bale, Michael Caine. You don't like Hugh Jackman at all? I don't like him in this movie at all. I think I, he's I don't... so good in this movie. <sighs> um, and let's not let's not let's not pass over the one thing the one thing that I will ma- say that makes this movie, even though he's only in it for maybe a total of five minutes, that makes this movie so much better than The Illusionist is Tesla's played by David Bowie. It doesn't matter. And he is awesome. Well, David he Bowie is so is good. Great, too bad he didn't have more to do. <laughs> And and how about so how how about when when Robert was far deep into his path of obsession like he'd already gone to Tesla he'd already tried you know and, and the it had failed apparently you know because Tesla and Andy Circus never bothered to walk out in the front yard and notice the eighty five black hats and oh man that was in the so front great yard. it's like how did you not like walk in the front yard and see all these hats um, when Robert told him you need to drop it it's like. Why didn't he come up with like another career? Like, go go become a cobbler. <laughs> he's obsessed go with, he's obsessed cobbler. with doing that job. Go go that like, is the go job work in a haberdashery or something. Go take up bookkeeping. Go do something at be- else. At the beginning of the movie, he talks. He says, "I came to London, be- so my family, because he's you can kind of tell he's already coming from a wealthy family. Mm-hmm. He he says because I don't, my family doesn't want to be embarrassed by him." And he doesn't want to ruin his family name. So he kind of, he's already got kind of a, 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 a what's it called? A, something on his shoulder. What's it called? Um, a chip on his shoulder. You know, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's already got a chip on his shoulder about that. He's, he's gone across, you know, across an ocean to try and start this new career. That, something that he is very passionate about. And he just dives in, in to the point where it drives him mad. So I just I mean, think this movie's way too long and <laughs> I like Christopher Nolan movies. Like Batman Begins is my favorite of all Batman movies. Like all versions of all Batman movies. I like Incep- yes, I, I really love Inception. I like Interstellar. I like Memento. This movie just does not do it for me whatsoever. I feel like you never get a real sense of what London is like. It feels very generic, like the staging. No. Feels very, I, and I and I I agree I that it is not is very exciting. It's not about. It's like it's the not illusionist necessarily, wins on both of those counts for sure. It's not about. Yeah, it's definitely not about the um, look and feel about the setting. <laughs> the setting. Yeah. It's not about the setting, but it is a lot about. I mean, I guess I guess the way I would say is the main setting is the early ages of magic and it being as an entertainment form. I would say that. But where it's at and everything, I mean, if you look, they didn't even film the movie in London. They filmed it in, they filmed the whole movie, I guess, in Colorado. Mm. So, I mean, they just went to, so having the whole, all the Colorado scenes and then being able to put the sets together in Colorado and I believe, and on the Universal, I think it's the Universal soundstage Mm. or Maybe not universal, but anyway, sorry. Um, you know, that was not like The Illusionist where they f- went to Prague and filmed, you know, yeah. the movie to have this, you know, authentic look. But again, where it's at really wasn't a part of it. I mean, in The Illusionist, it's very important that you're in Vienna because you've got... Yeah. This prince, you know, the prince, and she's going to be the duchess, and the whole idea of them merging the countries and everything, the country, the where it's at becomes a very significant part. Yeah. Whereas this, it doesn't. I mean, yeah, the only reason why been, they go, the only nicer. reason why they go to, hmm? yeah. I mean, if they could have made more of an effort. 
Yeah, but I, it's not. It, that's not the main point of the story. And I understand that's something that you like about movies sometimes is you like to be able to get in with, you know, where it's taking place yeah. and the location yeah. and all that. But then there's like I just watched a movie the other the other night that was really good and it could have taken place anywhere. What was it doesn't. It? I mean, the station agent. Oh, I think I've seen which that. I, um, I highly recommend. Um, Peter Dinklage. I was going to say Tyrion, right? <laughs> it has Peter Dinklage in it. Um, um, but that movie, that movie, the, the only th- location thing you needed in that movie were trains. <laughs> you know, it, it could have been anywhere in the United States. I'll also, okay, so I'll just also throw out, in general, like, sleight of hand, magic and stuff, it's not super interesting to me. Like, the performances that I've seen live in the last 10, 15 years that, in, the, in general, I mean... Magic's not really my thing. I mean, it's okay, but I wouldn't understand the obsession of trying to, like, outsmart someone to do magic. The shows that I've gone to see in real life have been more like Cirque du Soleil, and those are incredible. Those are a lot very, like, acrobatic, you know, like what these people do with their bodies, and, like they're throwing themselves mm-hmm. around. I find that very interesting because mm-hmm. it's... You and you see the mechanics behind it. Like they're not trying to hide the wires that people are on. But but that's it, not a magic show. It's that's, not a magic show. But again, no. like that's if I'm spending money on something like live and in person, I'm not going to a magic show because I don't really care. So I think I'm, maybe I'm not, not. I'm not really into that either. You know, okay. I'm not sitting there going, oh. You know, blah, blah, blah. Magi- I, I, I don't sit there and watch David Blaine specials on TV because yeah. I don't care how they're doing the yeah. trick. So you're not you really like looking at I really like, don't. Um, Christian Bale like and his rubber ball that he kept throwing around or whatever. I mean, I kind of found I find like seeing the behind the scenes of uh, some of these tricks very interesting only because like it's, it's I don't mind seeing like the behind the scenes stuff on anything really. Sure. You know, it's I, I like I like knowing the I mean, it's interesting how like they do the bird cage trick and like the kid, the little kid figures out that like They're they always deer. kill They're they always kill a bird and then they have another bird that you know in the back pocket and then then they come up with the the other version of that trick where the bird just you know doesn't actually get killed it gets taken you know it yeah. escapes the cage before um it gets crushed but um and i thought it was kind of interesting seeing some of the behind the scenes but it, it doesn't it that's not why i would watch the movie like ooh look at all these cool behind the scenes things on how to do magic yeah i mean I, that i don't get but i also think that the the rivalry aspect of it is very common in that world you know, you've got magicians trying different tricks and trying to be better than the other one and getting mad at them for stealing tricks and all of that kind of stuff. That's that's and that happens in the comedy world where they get pissed off at each other if you steal Same jokes, jokes. you know, and and so I believe that that is very, very real. I understand you not being into that stuff for this movie, but. I found this movie and maybe it's because of the, you know, the mystery and the, you know, and it being more of a mystery and that's in having a suspenseful aspect of it that makes it more interesting for me than watching The Illusionist, which I was just like, they're going to end up together. They're going to pull off some way for them. I mean, it was very soap opery how they kind of like had some magical way of like. You know, escaping the the I mean, I I don't think at any point they wanted in an illusionist. I don't think they in any point they wanted him to to die or even get arrested. The main point was just for her to feel for them to believe that she was dead and for Ed Norton to get away. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, they could run off together. They could be they could run off together yeah. wherever they went. Yeah. Um because they cuz he even talks about how he goes all he went all over the world. They yeah. could have gone ha- just like, halfway across the world. Just like Dread Pirate Roberts. <laughs> yeah, I really wish you never made that comparison. Um, so, <laughs> it's uh, it's hard though because cuz so many romances again have that same kind of fairy tales. general theme. Yeah. They've you've got, you know, 
star-crossed lovers who can't be together. How are they going to be together? And it just so happens in this one, one's a magician. Yeah, even, even, <laughs> you the, know? even the potion that she takes that kind of replicates, like, her being dead is very similar like Romeo and Juliet. Like that's what Juliet had taken to simulate that she was dead. Um, But all of my complaining about the prestige aside, I mean, Christian Bale, he was my favorite character. Christian Bale is really good in this movie. I really like him. Um, I like him. And I do think like if you're comparing him and Hugh Jackman, um, I really like Hugh Jackman. I like him in, in oh, I all like him sorts generally. of roles. I like him generally, but I, I do but not I, like and his I do, character And at I all. do like him, and I do, and and I don't, I don't, th- I, there's nothing about his character I like. I mean, he is the villain in this movie. Yeah. Thank you. I agree. He's, he is, yes. the, he is the villain in this movie. Yes. Because, like I said, Alfred's just trying to do his damn job and wants to be successful. Um, and he's and got years. and he's got the edge of having an identical twin brother that has bought into doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And they, like he said, they leave two. They lead two half lives. They don't actually either of them leave, leave a full a whole, life. Yeah, full life. I mean, there's a lot of sacrifice, yeah. you know, that they've had to that they have to do to pull all of this off, because this is what they want to do. Yeah. So I think that he is definitely. Um, my favorite character, I like Michael Caine in this a lot, yeah. um, but he's very much of a supporting character. Yeah. And I, I'll, I'll never hate seeing David Bowie on screen. Well, sure. I mean, and that's, <laughs> that's you know, ama- an amazing quality of this. Uh, re- and Andy Serkis. Andy yeah. Serkis. Rewatch- Gollum himself. Rewatching this, um, knowing that, you know, the end of the movie is tank after tank of floating dead Hugh Jackmans, um, knowing that Christian Bale has an identical twin, like, from the very beginning. Like, that helped Yeah, when you know lot. that, it, it changes how you watch the movie, Certainly. too. It's like, um, yeah. But I feel like, overall, when you look at all of the other movies that Christopher Nolan did, or has done, this one just feels lazy in a lot of ways. Like, he was riding the high of his collaboration of the first Batman Begins with Christian Bale, and it's like, we're going to tap into that energy again. So, oh, hey, I'm going to do this magic movie. Why don't you be one of the stars in it? And, oh, yeah, you can play a double role again because in Batman you're playing two roles as Bruce Wayne and Batman. Well, and he has Michael Caine in it, and and it just seems convenient. And Michael Caine is in, like, every Christopher Nolan movie practically. So there's just things about it that felt kind of... I don't know. Like, I don't know if he rushed to get this out quickly after finishing Batman Begins. Like, how long did they really think, like, put this together? I, I don't know. I Well, I just, he had... He, and, and, he and had... Um, Inception is a million times better to me than The Prestige. And I feel like there are certain kind of, like... There's certain there's a level of magic in the in Inception too. It's different. Oh, it, we'll get into yeah. that. We'll eventually talk about that movie. But yeah. I'm I'm all in on that movie. Um, it's it's definitely different. Now you have to remember too, it like Inception and like Memento mm-hmm. are original, Christ, like Christopher oh, Nolan. Not adaptations. Okay. They're not adaptations. Um, originally, Sam Mendes, after American Beauty, mm-hmm. after he directed American Beauty, wanted to make this book, oh. or the prestige into a movie. And then someone showed Christopher Priest the the two. Um, he had shown him the following, which was Christopher Nolan's first movie. And then after seeing that was like, who's this young direct, who's this new director mm-hmm. I haven't seen before? And then Memento came out and he was like, I want I want this guy to make my book into a movie. And that's how Christopher Nolan got involved. But that was early 2000s. And then this movie comes out in 2006. You know, there was some production time involved in getting this movie made that it was. I don't think it was as clearly of like, oh, the Batman guy, you know, he did that. And that was really successful. Let's get him to make this other movie. He had already been involved before Batman to make this movie. So what might have happened, and and maybe this is what you're thinking, is Nolan had already agreed to make, like he had already been working on doing this movie, and then Batman came out, and because of Batman, he was able to make this movie, but maybe it was... Maybe he had a limited budget. Maybe he had limited time because he knew he was going to make another Batman movie. How does he squeeze this in? 
I don't know. You know, maybe there was some sort of limitation there. Know. So it didn't feel lazy to me in that sense, but I just really, like, and I really love, even though it's completely fake, but that whole idea of, like, the science and the electricity and, like, making the clone and everything like that, it's totally fake. Just make sure but, there's not a fly standing right next to you. Oh, right. Because then you don't want to turn into Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> but it was definitely very I, I really liked that too Yeah um, I think that the, You know Overall With these two movies um, You've got you, You've got the theme of magic Being used in different ways To tell the story yeah. You've got Magic being used mm-hmm. in a way To tell the romance um, You know In one And you have magic To illustrate the pitfalls of obsession in another. And that is where, um, that's pretty much where they stand out as very different in my eyes. You've got, you've got good and they're, and, and around the same period and, and, and everything. So you've got that maybe the period and time period and location was maybe more important in one than the other. Yeah. But, um, I mean, the only reason why he goes to Colorado is because in real life, that's where Tesla was working yeah. um, on, you know, on his alternating current. Whereas Vienna clearly had to it had to be in Vienna because yeah. that's who they were talking about. And that, too, was also based on a short story. Yes. So a short so, story that had to get teased out into a bigger movie, whereas right. the prestige was a 400 page book that they had to, you know, confine down to a two hour and 10 minute movie. Right. And similar kind of theme as far as, you know, using magic yeah. and time period, but definitely very different movies. I mean, there's I, there's we've obviously seen tons of movies where competition is kind of the root conflict. And in other movies, it's a, it's a, it's very easy kind of thing too to pick as a as like you have an antagonist yeah, and a protagonist, right. and and there's some the conflict could be competition, and that's very yeah. simple. I think the thing that's annoying about using magic as the conflict is that the root of magic is secrecy and keeping how a trick is accomplished. A secret is the whole reason. Like that's the only reason you. And, you know, the reason magic is fun is because you you don't know how it happens. Like, it's, the, you know. Well, people want to be, as they say at the end of Prestige, sometimes people just want to be fooled. Yeah. You know. So, but the fact <clears throat> that they're having this competition over, like, cracking the code, you know, trying to figure out yeah. what is your big secret. And then the fact that freaking, you know, Michael Caine and especially Scarlett Johansson, like, he is using a double. He's using a double. And the fact that Hugh Jackman would not let it go and thought it was some larger mystical thing. Ugh. I just Well, I can see so I can dumb. see I think that I think that the idea of that being frustrating is again best illustrates the whole point of how obsessed he was like to the point where where it had to be something bigger than something so easy and then when he was doing the trick pretty much the exact same way he just couldn't let it go he had it had to be some sort of yeah because he wanted the glory like like christian bale said he goes how's he doing um under the stage with the whole trick of the, you know, dropping down under the floor. Right. Yeah, Christian, so. but yeah, Christian Bale was my favorite character by far. Yeah, and I think my favorite character in The Illusionist was probably the white horse that had to be bloodstained after she was, she was, no. Um, Edward Norton. I thought Jessica. I thought Jessica Biel was good. There's something about Edward Norton in the movie. Like, part of me de- like feels like he was barely in it. I don't know. It's really weird. Like, he had like. I don't know. Well, he, I just. He wasn't, I guess he I just. He wasn't very verbose. Like, it's not like he had a million lines. I, and I never really, but I, but I never really even felt like he was super passionate about her. <laughs> it was, was really weird. Oh. <laughs> not, not that he wasn't into her, but. Oops. It, it just didn't feel very. 
I don't know. Maybe it was his accent. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, who knows? I don't know. <sighs> well, I, I kind of suspected we were going to um, be at all. Well, I knew this because I, re- I remember I remember talking about both of these movies after we had both watched them. And it or actually, I think it was at first after you had watched both of them and I had seen Prestige, but you had seen the two movies on that same day and you going off about the illusionist like years ago and me being like, there's no way this movie is better than the prestige. So I I probably already, cause I liked the prestige so much. I probably already had preconceived notions Mm. that I was not going to like Mm. the illusionist. Um, primarily because, so I'm going to not like it. Got it. Just well, and and I no one was talking about it. No one was like the illusionist is this great movie, you know. I hadn't heard anything about that, and you know I've looked at you look at like what the directors have done and things that like you know you've probably heard the name Christopher Nolan and things that he has done and not the guy who wrote and directed the illusionist. <laughs> so I don't know. It just. I think that, and it's funny because The Illusionist came out first. Really? It By came how much? out. It came out um, like a month. Oh, okay. They um, they came out about a month apart, and it came out first. But yeah, I just well, we all have our taste. Could not. Uh, this could is not such a great get into it. This is such a great example of how you know just specific taste can really uh, play into if a movie's going to be something that you like or not. Pretty and, much. And again, like we said, we're talking about magic movies and we're not talking about Harry Potter at all. No. Harry Potter's no, very different. Not. No. I love Harry Potter. Um, I, I think the Harry Potter movies are pretty entertaining. The first couple are kind of... Um, they're a little harder to watch because they're he's younger. I think as he gets more mature, it's uh, it's a little different, but different kind of magic. Yeah, you're and, and this you're isn't not, Lord, this and you're isn't not Lord of the trying to figure out how every trick is done when you're watching Harry Potter. No, you and this isn't assume. this isn't Lord of the Rings magic either. No, no, no. Those, like you said, these are both kind of magic. those are both more like kind of fantasy. This is people really trying obsessed with trying to figure out how things are done. It's like ugh, let it go. Yeah. <laughs> well. um... I think we've shot these guys to death. Um, we're going to think it's time to sign off. I'm going to say abracadabra um, before we're hung. <laughs> you stole my line again. I was going to I was just going to say abracadabra. Nancy's Nancy the Thunder Stealer. I guess I guess I guess I have to obsess over that now. Oh god. <laughs> All right. My name is Matthew. My name is Nancy. This has been fighting over the VCR. Thank you. Prestige is better. <laughs>